Hi, I'm Taylor Smurl, and I'm an experienced bartender. And I'm Tommy Smurl. I'm an experienced drinker. He's my dad, and together this is... Neat! A weekly booze cast. With history lessons, trivia, and a twist. So pull up a stool to the bar and join us for the lowdown on your highball. Hello and welcome back to the show. Hey Dan, how you doing? Hey Tay, doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing alright. Have you had any good drinks this week? Well, I had a couple of interesting ones. Yeah. Um, we went out. You know, it's Mom's birthday week or month or whatever. So, uh, how's it goes? <laughs> you know that story. We won't rehash it. Uh, so anyway, we went out to dinner Saturday night at a place that. Well, we've eaten there once or twice, but not really familiar with their cocktail menu. So we went there to look and they had what was basically an espresso martini, but it was infused with Werther's, with a Werther's caramel, the syrup. Oh, I love that. And they called it Grandpa's Pocket Candy. That's adorable. And so that was basically the only difference was the Werther's caramel was infused in there and that, and that was good. But the one that I really liked the most, they had one that was called a brown sugar daiquiri. Okay. And it had maple and uh, brown sugar and lime in it for the most part. And looking at it, I thought it would be thick and real sweet and everything. But the lime, the citrus taste is what came through in it. And it was really good and refreshing. And I thought it would be thick and syrupy. And instead, it was really light and citrusy and refreshing. Huh. But it was really a really different. But I enjoyed it. I took a picture of that on the menu so that I could show you how that one was made some at some point. That sounds great. I'm curious to see that. Uh, send me that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. How about you? Do you have anything interesting? Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> I've been, uh, training at a new bar this week, but, uh, who knows how it will come out. <laughs> so <laughs> TBD on that. All right. Well, that's okay. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going a week without drinking. There's a lot of people who could use that. Well, don't get me wrong. I've got, I've not gone a week without drinking. Um, I've definitely been drinking because the new bar training has been frustrating sometimes and I don't. I don't drink at work. That's a solid rule, but uh, needed to have a few like beers after work. Absolutely. Come home from making drinks and I have to have a drink. Yeah. You know, I just like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's all good. Uh, that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, today we're talking about tuxes. And we were inspired by. Well, all right. So yes, uh, my cat Jack is a tuxedo cat and uh, he's, he's my best friend. Do you, Think think of that what you will. Uh, and what's his full name? Uh, he's got a lot of names. That's not fair to ask what a cat's full name is. <laughs> it's, it's like Jack Caddington is is what I usually call him simply. Right. But Jack Caddington, but but sometimes he's got a lot of names. Um, but uh, I I depend on him for my source of uh, emotional stability, 
And one night we were just hanging out, me and Jack, and I was like, there's got to be a cocktail named after you. You're a tuxedo cat. There's got to be like a, a cocktail that honors you. So I looked it up, and there is actually, there's one, there's a kind of a whole series of cocktails. It's maybe a class of cocktails, but there's definitely at least one. Um, so I thought we could talk about the tuxedo today. In honor of Jack, don't don't give your cats cocktails, Sandra Warner, and like, like, don't, your cats can't drink alcohol, but... In yeah. honor of your tuxedo cat, we have a tuxedo cocktail. And I told you that if you ever get your own bar that you run, that you should name it Tuxedo Jacks. Well, I, I, that's uh, yeah, we we, we talked about yes, I would. That'd be a good one. I would be Jacks, um, and we'll also like play into like the the whole like old Tom Jen having the like black cat be like the weird thing on the wall that let you get some gin. Yeah. Like, it would be a speakeasy. It wouldn't be a bar. It would be a speakeasy. Yeah, it could be Caddington's, but that might be a whole different vibe. So I think Tuxedo I, Jack's is better. I would call it Caddington's, though. You would? You think that one's better? That's the one I went for. Oh, okay. Anyway. It's your anyway. bar. It's your bar. You name it whatever you want. It's my hypothetical bar that will never exist because I will never have that much money. But... Uh, yes, uh, we are going to talk about the history of the tuxedo cocktail today. <laughs> All right. I had never heard of a tuxedo cocktail, so I'm glad to hear about this. Well, to start with a wide scope, uh, all tuxedo cocktail, and there's a lot of variants in there, they all fall into the martini area of drink, um, and that, uh, that original cocktail comes about in the late, uh, 1890s. So, you know, we get, like, inferences of the martini around like the early 1800s we get our first recipe around the same time period um but in the 1890s to the 1900s we get the heyday of martini style drinks this is a very popular era for martini variants so this is when the tuxedo is brought about um and and by that i mean like what is a martini variant that just means something that is stirred strong served up uh it has a lot of hard liquor in it with maybe some combos of like vermouth or sherry, uh, uh, small measures of liqueur modifiers, and definitely bitters. So a little bit separate from like our modern confusion around martinis, like an appletini or like a whatever, like those chocatini, those aren't martinis, but these (laughs) are all still martinis. They're still like a base spirit that's a high pour, a vermouth or a modifier, and some bitters. That's kind of a rough outline of martini. Uh, my espresso martini is not really a martini. Yes, but it's one of those that's good enough that it still gets to be called an espresso martini. Eh, look, it's bartending. It's all, all over the place. But yes, yes. Whatever you'd like it to be. Mostly it needs gin and vermouth, though, at least. huh? <laughs> yes, gin, vermouth, or a, a, an aromatized wine, similar to that. But, uh, so the... I think one of the most interesting things about the tuxedo cocktail is where it gets its name from. And that's not from the tuxedo jacket, but from the Tuxedo Park Club, uh, which was a members-only country club in a gated estate located in Tuxedo Park, New York, uh, not far from the city. And that's also probably the place that's responsible for the tuxedo jacket name itself. Yeah. Yeah. because yeah. they, they made them wear those there, and that's what they called them, was a tuxedo jacket. Well, and so the story goes. So there was a short, tailless dinner jacket was originally made in back in 1860 as a casual alternative 
um, to the, like the full tails jacket, and mm-hmm. that was made first in London by Henry Pools and Co. Uh, and it was made for the Prince of Wales. So this is again 1860. A few decades later, in 1886, there was a wealthy New York socialite, James Potter, who was visiting that prince. And uh, he was like, hey, I want a nice outfit to wear to dinner tonight. And the prince was like, oh, I'm going to send you to my tailor. He's going to hook you up. He hooked him up with a classic tuxedo jacket, this new, like, tailless tuxedo jacket. And that's what Potter brought back to the tuxedo club in New York. And that's that became all the rage. So it was already named... Um, this well, okay. Let me clarify. Uh, this short tailless uh, tailcoat was dubbed the Tuxedo Jacket, but that was in honor of the already named Tuxedo Club. And the word Tuxedo itself actually comes from the indigenous people that lived there, uh, the Lenape people's word for a large, the largest lake in the area, which was Tuxedo, which means either flowing water or crooked river or place of the bear. So. Tuxedo comes from an indigenous language, and it was just applied to the jacket of the the people that wore it in the club at the time. Yeah, and that Potter guy was Harry's uncle. No, absolutely not. That's not true. That's a falsity. Everything else is true up to this point. Are you sure? No. He's from England, too. He's from England. Yeah, but he's a turf, so we're not going to talk about him. Oh, okay. All right, never mind. Scratch that. All right, so so we get the we get the tuxedo club established. We get the tuxedo jacket established. We get the tuxedo cocktail established. Uh, probably around 1890. That's when the first tuxedo cocktail was first mixed up. Um, but it wasn't put into print uh, until the until 1900, and that was by Harry Johnson. Um, and uh, his the original recipe was like equal parts old Tom Gin, dry vermouth couple dashes of maraschino, absinthe, and some orange bitters. And this was more or less the recipe that was understood uh, for the next long while. It, there were some variants within there, like people add like Angostura bitters or um, slightly less vermouth or slightly more spirit. But this is more or less what we're dealing with for a while. Now I saw in uh, 1903 that Tim Daly of Daly's Bartender's Encyclopedia came out with one. And evidently in that period, maple gin was a thing. And so he listed his recipe with pretty much the same thing, but with maple gin. And (laughs) nowadays you'd be hard pressed to find maple gin. Well, and there's been, there's a lot of discussion around the tuxedo cocktail as to whether or not that was what it was first to be made with, because is that a sweet gin? Is that an old Tom gin? Hard to say. So maybe. Maybe. It's an extinct gin because nobody makes maple gin anymore. At least it I don't know. Great. Like somebody should. I would absolutely buy some maple gin, but uh, not not a thing you can regularly find. Uh, yeah. So that was. And, and I mean, as as we move beyond like the 1900s, um, dry gin becomes more fashionable. Uh, sweet gin kind of falls out of favor, and that's where we get a more like um, modern interpretation of what the t- tuxedo cocktail is, and that's with a dry, like a London dry gin. Um, Harry Craddock is the first to kind of separate these drinks. Like he calls his like tuxedo number one the one that's made with old Tom gin, and t- tuxedo number two the one that's made with 
a dry gin, um, and uh, that's that's published in the 1930s Savoy cocktail book. Um, but we're still talking like very similar ingredients, right? Like all through like 1900s to 1930s, everything that's been called a, to- uh, a, a tuxedo up to this point has gin of some kind. It has vermouth, dry vermouth of some kind, and some absinthe, some orange bitters, maybe some mango, maybe not. But it's all kind of, I feel like this falls into the range of stylistic differences, not necessarily a different cocktail. Uh, The one variant that I think is worth noting, which kind of, I think in modern conversations, we talk about it as like a tuxedo number two, but it's really not. Like historically, it's not. But it is the other variant of this. And that's the introduction of sherry to the drink. Yes, that's completely different than any of the other versions of it. Yeah. And that that is, um, sometimes it's called the number three, sometimes it's called the number two. Um, but that is really just like, there was a minute where, um, you know, you've, you've got some recipes from that time period that dropped the gin out entirely and just the and cherry. And then moving forward, you have more prominent recipes like that of the, uh, the Waldorf Astoria uh, that specifically called for gin vermouth and sherry all together and that's kind of that this second tuxedo that more commonly is what you hear like when you're a bartender now and like a tuxedo is you know that original recipe this the tuxedo number two is something that involves sherry that's what we more reference now i think it's it's kind of interesting that they that they do kind of say the tuxedo is more of a spectrum of recipes that, rather than just a single formula. For sure. And uh, well, so you can kind of play around with it. I mean, there's some standard things, but you can kind of try, take all these, and you don't have to put all of them in. Try the ones that you think work best for you, and you're still somewhere right around there. Yeah, and and, and it's definitely, I, I agree. Like, it's, it's a category of drinks. Um, it is all... There was a, a a moment where it's just sort of referred to as fancy martinis. So you're still making a martini. You're just adding a dash of this or a dash of that. Uh, and there's got to be a divide where it becomes a new cocktail. And I don't really know. Like it kind of exists as its own. The, the tuxedo number one, that classic combination with just like a little absinthe, a little bitters, like a little maraschino. That's classic. I think the only significant alteration is that sherry thing that comes in, which mm-hmm. uh, is probably like it is written about in the reference to the like Waldorf Astoria cocktail book um, right around like the 1930s. Uh, and that is it's a tuxedo, but it's also sometimes called the Tucetto. And that is uh, we've got gin still there. We've got sherry. And we've got some vermouth. So that that's one that you'll often see held up is either a tuxedo number two or a Waldorf tuxedo, either way. But it is bringing in that sherry element. And I think that's the only one that's different enough from the original tuxedo to make note of. Because also, I love sherry. So anytime sherry comes into play, I want to note it. <laughs> I think it's a better drink too. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's out there. So, you know. It is definitely, it's it's hard to categorize a lot of these drinks because they really are just a dash away from different martinis. But it is worth 
in this world where a martini has been misused to be like an apple teeny, a cranberry teeny, a choco teeny, like this really is the, this is where you get the difficult definition of martini. These are all martinis, but by like tiny measures. I feel like sherry is one of those things that bartenders like to try to fit into drinks to, you know, spice them up some. And so, because there's quite a few that we've gone over that there's another version of it and it's got like a sherry float on it or something like that. that oh, I love sherry. Too. Yeah. I mean, sherry's my favorite thing. And, then, and so, and I, I read a couple different accounts of like the Tusetto or the Tuxedo cocktail. Like when the sherry became introduced, it's thought that like maybe the Tusetto, which is the tuxedo that definitely has sherry in it, was sort of made after the tuxedo as an homage to the original indigenous tribe, like using the correct pronunciation mm-hmm. of that area. I think that's cool. Um, but it's it's not really, you know, a lot of the stuff is... It, it came about in the time when people were first starting to record cocktail recipes, so it makes sense that there were a lot of, like, contradictory sources, right? Like, there was that whole before period in the 1800s where we weren't writing down anything. In the 1900s, everybody's writing down stuff, but everybody's writing down different things. So right. There's that that factors into this specific recipe. Yeah, you don't know, is that a national version or is that a regional version? You know, because a lot of things are available differently in different areas. And so they may have been doing it this way because that's what was available there and thought that is what it should be. Well, I mean, up to five tuxedo cocktails are recognized. I tend to think of them as two drinks because there's the one that's sort of the classic 50-50 martini with some absinthe, um, with some maraschino, with some bitters. And then there's the number two that comes with sherry and kind of cancels out everything else. And that's that's usually the more modern interpretation of these drinks. But mm-hmm. I do think it's like it's a fun little lesson on like the once we were recording things, the tiny inches that got popularized as far as like, oh, no, this is a martini. This is a martini number or this is a uh, tuxedo number two, tuxedo number three, tuxedo number four, like it was a common thing to just like slightly change things and make them very public. Well, this one guy, he kind of refers to that as the Mr. Po- Mr. Potato Head method. Absolutely. That you can swap things out and, you know, like maybe instead of a whole, use a half and use the other half as something else that falls in the same category. And so you can swap your ingredients around that way, mixing and matching and tinkering with it to see what you like. Because Making one proper is not as important as making something you like to drink. And if you can change it a little bit and you like it better, then do that. <laughs> Don't drink it. Don't make it. Get, you know, when mom made something that she, oh, this is good. Try it. And I tried it. It wasn't for me. I didn't like that, but I like mine. So I'll stick with mine. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. Well, and that's like, I mean, we're talking about like the, the, the martini um idea you know again like that's that kind of there's a lot of martinis out there that things we call martinis that are not martinis they're they're chocotinis they're raspberry teenies they're whatever like that's that's all other a whole other argument but it's martini, just based on the glass at that point 
It's yeah. served in a martini glass, so we call it a martini, but it has nothing to do with a martini build. No, and that's completely different. But like this era, especially like 1890s to like 1920s, like this is the heyday of the martini. And it really was like a game of inches. It was you add some bitters, you add a little bit of uh, uh, liqueur that that creates a whole other cocktail. I think we've kind of come back to that in a way, but it is it is still kind of hard to wrap your head around. Like, you know, you add two dashes of Ango instead of two dashes of orange bitters and you've got a whole other drink. Like, what? No, that's the same drink. You just modified it. Like, no, it is. It's a different drink. And that's this time period. Like, they're very... It's... Before that, we didn't record cocktail recipes. And then when we, like, oh, wait, we should record cocktail recipes, we recorded everything. And that created a whole other bottleneck. But... Mm -hmm. It's cool. Well, I really feel like, too, with that one, um, absinthe is, you know, listed in there. And that's one of those things that a lot of people don't like absinthe. So, you know, it, that may be something that if the drink doesn't strike you exactly right, you might want to leave that part out, you know. So that, that's one of those things like you either like it or you really don't like it, you know. Well, and if you leave it out, it might be a whole other drink because there is that kind of thing. Like when I was doing my research, it's like a two set, which is like the tuxedo minus absence. So you might be making a whole other drink. Yeah. It's very delicate measurements, this era of cocktailing. Like, you know, you're making a martini, but when are you not making a martini? I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I was reading that with the absence that they recommended that you actually should miss the glass with it as opposed to just trying to, you know, like sure, yeah. run it around that misting it is probably the best way to, to instill the absinthe in there. And that works. That would be a light touch. Well, if you uh, if you like a martini and you like a sherry or I don't know or a fifty fifty martini, I think that's kind of like the 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 ground you're playing with here. If you like a fifty fifty martini or you like sherry, the tuxedo and its many variants will appeal to you. You should check it out. Um, I love all versions of it, specifically the sherry ones. Those are the ones that really do it for me. But uh, they're good drinks. Well, I was glad when I discovered the espresso martini because even though it's not a martini, it says martini in it. And I always wanted to drink a martini because I thought that looked real, you know, suave and sophisticated. So I thought I would look good drinking martini, <laughs> but I just don't like them. But then when I could drink an espresso martini, I thought, finally, I'm drinking a martini. I look suave and sophisticated. Sophisticated? <laughs> what was that word you just said? <laughs> Suave and sophisticated. Uh, all right. <laughs> We're going to roll right past that. And I'm not uh, even drinking. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Uh, the Tuxedo has many variants, but all of them are good. You should check them out. Um, uh, if you like martinis or if you like sherry, do it. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, thank you, Dad, for being here. Well, thank you, Taylor, for having me. I learned all about these tuxedo martinis. I never would have known about them. I'd, we, we were going to invent the tuxedo so you could have it for your bar, and we don't have to invent it. It's already here. No, i gotta, I got to figure that out now. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, if you want to find us on the Internet, uh, we are 
Meet Boozecast on um, Instagram. Uh, we are uh, also meettheboozecast at gmail.com if you want to email us any questions. Uh, and we have a Patreon if you want to uh, donate to us so we keep happening. That's great. You're the reason we get made. Thank you to all of our Patreons. Um, and if you want to go and talk about, I don't know, how you feel about tuxedos, you can do that. At Meet the Boozecast group page on Facebook. We're right there, tuxedoing away in our martinis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all. I've been Taylor Smurl. I've been Tommy Smurl. This has been. You think that if you did have your Caddington's bar, that you would have Jack room around there, and he, and he would actually be wearing a tuxedo, a tuxedo cat in a tuxedo? That's kind of like an infinity thing. I think I would have uh, a space a window that you could hop up into, but also I'm gonna make it the same. Oh, okay. So if they could cheer if he hops up into the window that like overlooks the bar. Everybody cheer for him. And then yeah. that's, and then you had to buy a round of drinks when Jack jumps up there. Yeah, I have to get a drinking game going along with Jack. Yeah. If Jack appears, everybody gets a free drink. That'd be the rule. Woohoo! Yeah, Jack!